0: Welcome to Politics is Everything, our look at ways in which politics in the era of Donald Trump is affecting different aspects of our everyday lives. On the show this week, tis the season. As our country's young graduates prepare to go out into the world, their commencement speakers are weighing whether and how to address or incorporate the intense political mood. We'll talk with two former White House speechwriters, Cody Keenan of the Obama administration and Pete Weiner of the Bush administration, about how presidents approach this time of year and whether politics has become unavoidable in this venue. In his commencement address to the Coast Guard Academy this week, President Trump used the event to air his own political grievances.
1: Thank you. Now I want to take this opportunity to give you some advice. Over the course of your life, You will find that things are not always fair. You will find that things happen to you that you do not deserve, and that are not always warranted. But you have to put your head down and fight, fight, fight. Never, ever, ever give up. Things will work out just fine. Look at the way I've been treated lately especially by the media. No politician in history, and I say this with great surety, has been treated worse or more unfairly. You can't let them get you down. You can't let the critics and the naysayers get in the way of your dreams.
0: The speech was criticized for its politics and for sounding too much like a campaign speech, especially given his audience of servicemen and women before him. Last week, the president gave his first commencement address at Liberty University, seen as a nod to the evangelical support he earned during the campaign. The university's president, Jerry Falwell Jr., was a key surrogate. The future belongs to the people who follow their heart, no matter what the critics say, the president told those graduates. Presidential commencement speeches have a long history and some have chosen the platform to give altitude to current events and provide hope for the next generation.
2: Just visually and even in terms of the spirit of the event, I think there's something different to having a president speak to the next generation of Americans. They're not just young Americans, they're on the cusp of adulthood. Um, And so there's this um, moment where you see the person in power speaking to... Those who are up and coming, who will eventually be the ones holding responsibility.
0: That's Julian Zelizer, history professor at Princeton. Sometimes presidents venture head on into the politics of the moment with commencement speeches designed to be newsworthy and historic. John F. Kennedy, for example, delivered his "Strategy of Peace" speech at American University's commencement in 1963, where he called for a nuclear test ban treaty.
2: Have chosen this time and place to discuss a topic on which ignorance too often abounds and the truth too rarely perceived. And that is the most important topic on earth, peace.
0: Lyndon Johnson laid the groundwork for affirmative action with an address to Howard University graduates in 1965, a year after the Civil Rights Bill. Shortly after surviving an assassination attempt, Ronald Reagan spoke of the Cold War in his address at Notre Dame in 1981.
3: The West won't contain communism. It'll transcend communism.
0: And in 2002, George W. Bush told U.S. Military Academy graduates that Americans should be ready for preemptive action. But over the past few years, the students themselves have been particularly political. This year, for example, students at Bethune-Cookman University literally turned their backs at Education Secretary Betsy DeVos as she gave her address. Again, Julian Zelizer
2: just the events themselves are becoming more politicized, and that's part of what's going on on all the campuses, with speakers, and, you know, these tensions, debates over who should speak and who shouldn't speak. We've already seen some of that um, with these commencement speeches, and I imagine that's gonna become much more pronounced, um, as the choice of the speaker is important. And if that's the atmosphere, certainly when presidents speak, or any other political figure, uh, I think it might change some of the aura that made these special.
0: Sometimes presidents embrace the politics of the moment, including the protests. I chatted with Obama speechwriter Cody Keenan about how the president prepared for these kinds of events, how they decide which invitations to accept, and what the goals are. So, what is the goal of a commencement speech for the president?
4: Well, first and foremost, the, the goal of the commencement speech is to address these graduates. Um, It's really all about them first, not you. You know, I I can speak to this firsthand. I've given one commencement address my own. And I was terrified and super nervous until I hit the stage and saw the graduates and how happy they are. And it's it's not to see you. It's because it's the best day of their life and for their parents and a lot of their graduating college for the first time. So you just want to give them some good life lessons, some inspiration, something good to hang on to, something memorable. Um, So that'd be anything from inspirational advice based on the president's own journey or, you know, you have a bigger platform where, where people are going to watch you for a day. You can take on a controversy if you want. You can advocate for a particular policy if you want. But we almost always tried to root it in the graduates and even tell some of their stories some of the more inspirational students.
0: So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about about the process. You said that the president gives at least a couple of these a year, and we know that he kind of rotates through the service academies. Um, Talk about what this process is like, especially as you are working on a variety of other different speeches while also uh, contending with news of the day, of course, and the general overall political news, and not to mention the president's day job.
4: (coughs) Uh, I think I think we gave 25 uh, over the course of his two terms, and we'd usually sit down a couple months in advance, the communications team, um, and we'd have a list of you know anywhere from 100 to 200 invitations uh, to speak at a commencement, and that was always really difficult, you know, choosing the, the two, three, four he might go and do a year. Um, but once we got those down, and the college announced them, and everybody got really excited, we'd we'd start buckling down and think about what to say. Um, you know, he did one service academy every year. We'd rotate through them. Uh, so he ended up doing, you know, West Point, Coast Guard, Air Force Academy, and the Naval Academy each twice. Um, and then that leaves one or two others a year. So, you know, sometimes he'd have something he was really burning to get off his chest. Other times it would be, you know, let's just go give some really inspirational life lessons to these kids. There were a couple times, we didn't really have, we didn't let the news cycle kind of, infect. fact, what we were going to say at, uh, commencement. But there were a couple times that we took you know, quote-unquote controversies, and decided to head to kind of plunge in. Um, I think his first commencement ever as president was Arizona State. And uh, there was a group of students and faculty who protested because they didn't think that he deserved to get an honorary degree. Um, I obviously disagree. I think the president of the United States is worthy of an honorary degree. But he actually decided, you know, there's there's a couple paths you can take there. One would be, you know, to kind of whine and complain about it. But he said, that's an interesting topic. Let's actually take that on. And we built the speech around, you know, he embraced the notion that he hadn't done enough in his life yet, uh, that, you know, somebody's title, even a title like President of the United States says very little about the way you've lived your life, that no matter how much you've done or how successful you've been, there's always more to do and always more to learn. Uh, you know, and that's mm-hmm. especially true for, you know, young people throughout history who've changed, you know, the course of the superpower. Their titles weren't fancy uh, a lot of them didn't have any power, certainly didn't have honorary degrees, but but they could change the course of history, and that's what made democracy great. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no there was Notre Dame where you know he was protester for being pro-choice, and he decided to you know build a speech around how, as citizens of a vibrant and varied democracy, do we engage in debate? You know how do we stay true to our principles and fight for what we consider right without demonizing people on the other side?
2: Mm.
4: So sometimes controversy can make for a better speech.
0: That's interesting, too, because, I mean, as we know, of course, a core part of the president's coalition was was young people. Um, the idea, too, of, of, you know, encouraging people to kind of get involved in, in politics, did that ever come up in, in some of these speeches?
4: Uh, almost always. Mm-hmm. You know, you won't be surprised to hear that a big strain <laughs> in our commencement addresses was hope versus cynicism. But also,
2: mm-hmm.
4: you know, that it's like I said, that it's young people you know, who have often led movements for workers' rights, civil rights, voting rights. You know, you think about the people at Selma. Um, So we'd often talk about that. And then, you know, his commencement address last year uh, at Rutgers and Howard in the midst of, you know, a contentious presidential campaign, he tried to get the graduates to focus on, you know, a longer view of progress outside our bite-sized news cycles. You know, the fact that over 240 years this country's made incredible strides, but even then progress is jagged you know, kind of rooting people, rooting these young kids in, you know, the bigger story of their country
2: mm-hmm. and
4: to have faith in democracy and things like facts, reason, logic, uh, to compromise, mm-hmm. to listen to people with whom we don't agree. You know, one of the things he told us to put into both of his commitments last year was the idea that, you know, there are a couple of college campuses where people would, Uh, try to block someone from coming to speak at campus. And he'd say, no, 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 that's not what democracy is about. You know, you can hate someone's point of view, but bring them in. Don't shut it down. Engage it. Challenge them. Have confidence in the rightness of your position and take them on.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. So sometimes politics, it's hard to get politics uh, or to step away from, from the politics of the moment. But I'm also wondering, I mean, do you ever want to make news with these kinds of commencement speeches? Is there ever a time for it?
4: You know, there were there were a couple of speeches at service academies where he kind of, uh, not made news, but, but laid out a foreign policy doctrine. You know, mm-hmm. he was very, he was always very aware that, you know, these young people are people that he might send into war. And that always weighed on his mind when he was a speaker. So he'd always lay out, you know, why we do what we do, what American values are, what America's foreign policy is. But I can't think of a commencement off the top of my head where he went in and purposely tried to make news.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then comparing these to other speeches uh, that you give during the year, uh, during a year, you know these are, are kind of on the calendar, but, but how do these compare to um, other speeches that um, aren't intended to lay out a, a policy initiative or champion legislation, but, you know, just other, other speeches that he would give to, to, to groups and, and other kinds of, of venues? How do commencement speeches compare to those? Well, they're a lot
4: more fun. <laughs> you know, commencement, yeah. commencement addresses should be at their core fun and uplifting um, and you know we do a lot of work on the front end with our with our uh, research team to you know find some great local color we call it loco uh, from mm-hmm. every campus you know find me some great jokes what are the what were the campus controversies this year you know like when we went to speak at UC Irvine you made sure to point out that you know UC Irvine students hold the Guinness world record for the biggest water pistol fight um uh, <laughs> <laughs> that at Rutgers, there was some massive heated debate about sandwiches on campus, like a pork roll versus something else. Um, oh, wow. And students love that. They love yeah. it. They, they go nuts when when it seems like he, he knows what's going on on campus. He's paid attention to us. Rutgers actually did a three-year campaign to try to get President Obama to come speak, where, you know, students uh, wrote letters to the president. Uh, I think Irvine did the same thing. And we found a bunch of those letters and quoted from them. And they were really funny. Um so, you know, first and foremost, it's, about them, and it's, it's it's more fun than you get to have, like, say, if you're just going to go out, you know, give a speech on student loans or clean energy. Uh, you get to have a lot more fun when you have a big crew of 30,000 excited, hungover kids. Yeah. To see
0: a <laughs> well, you talked, too, you about, you know, making these these personal, which were, was my next question, is, you know, how do they, you make these non-repetitive? Because you're giving them, you know, pretty much in, in May and in June, presumably, right? And you're, you're giving a couple... How do you make them non-repetitive?
3: That's the hardest part.
4: I mean, you know, commencement addresses by and large are just cliches, you know, and part of that is just because good advice becomes cliche after a while. Mm. Um, so we, we trafficked in every cliche and life lesson, no demand. You know, we, we became walking search engines of, you know, inspirational quotes and sentimental anecdotes, but, (laughs) um. Rooting it in that campus and, and with those kids is what's really helpful. And like I said, our, our research team would find us some really, really incredible, both funny and inspirational stories of what, you know, students were already doing on campus or what they were going to do or, you know, some of the soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, Coast Guardsmen who were going to go deploy, you know, what their life story was. Um, and students always really appreciate that when you take the time to get to know one of their colleagues. And it's always a nice moment when the president would mention, uh, a student and then, you know, the whole section around them would erupt in applause you just knew their parents are up there, you know, just sniffling and crying because the president of the talked about their kid. It's just, it's supposed to be a nice day, you know, mm-hmm. we always tried to keep it up high.
0: What, what was the most memorable one for you in your time working for the president?
4: That's a good question. Um, I thought one of the better ones was, uh, you know, so I didn't, I didn't write this one. It was the University of Michigan in, I think, 2010, and it was right around the time where, you know, the Tea Party had risen. And the president said, you know, let's go give a speech about a defense of good governments, the idea of self-government, like what we're supposed to do together, what our obligations are. You know, let's make an argument for stability in politics. Uh, and I thought that was one of the better ones. His ones last year, I think, were edgier, and I think part of that just came with, the, you know, the undercurrent of the political season.
0: hmm um, And you said that you gave a commencement address. Tell us about that and how you, how you planned for that.
4: Yeah, I gave a commencement address at uh, NYU's Wagner School of Public Service two years ago. And for that, I just kind of looked to, you know, these are, these are a bunch of students who were going into public service like I did. So I just thought, you know, what advice can I give? um, from my own career path. What advice can I share that the president's given me along the way? Um, cause I, I do believe it's a, it's a noble profession. It's important. It's intensely rewarding. It's also very difficult and doesn't pay a lot. So I wanted to, to really hammer into these young people, um, that they're making the right choice. You know, and I, I shared how I started in a windowless mailroom, you know, and ended up <laughs> in a windowless office in the West wing. Um, <laughs> And, you know, how, why, how I learned over the course of my career that, you know, politics isn't all flashy like the West Wing. It's actually hard and contentious, and, but, but, but rooted in the lives of real people who either need help or, you know, want to see the country go in a better direction. Uh, and so I just gave them a couple of ways to really kind of root your own journey, you know, in, in either the reasons you got into it or the reasons you stay.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, the current president is in the middle of giving a few commencement addresses. He gave one earlier this week to the Coast Guard Academy. What kinds of advice would you give the current president's speechwriting team as it pertains to commencement addresses?
4: Yeah, I'd, I'd say, I, I haven't seen his yet, but I'd say um, you know it's not about you. It's about it's about these, these these young people who are about to embark on an incredible journey whatever they go do, you know, what lessons can you impart to them from your own life? What lessons can you impart from American history? You know, what can you draw from today's moment in order to give them a little nudge, you know, to to do the right thing, to, you know, pursue the right values as they embark on whatever career path they do, Um, and learn a little bit about the campus and throw in some jokes. I love that.
0: (laughs) So has the president ever challenged the members of his audience to do something in particular during one of these commencement addresses?
4: Yeah, I think I, every year in general, you kind of challenge them to, you know, embrace hope and, and live the right way. But the one that pops into mind was last year's commencement at uh, Howard. And, you know, again, it was in the middle of campaign season where it just seems like the two parts of America can't understand each other no matter what. So he spoke to A black audience at a historically black college and said, you know, embrace your blackness, but also embrace the fact that, you know, our particular awareness of injustice and unfairness and struggle should also open our eyes and expand our moral imaginations to empathize with all people who struggle, you know, not just African Americans, but the refugee, the immigrant, the rural poor, the transgender person, and the middle aged white guy who might seem to have all the advantages. but." he's seen his entire world upended by economic and cultural and technological change. you got to get his head, too. And that was a point he asked us to ask, I thought it was great. You know, it was, it was a moment in, the, you know, our, our political season where, you know, a bunch of reporters would travel out to rural America to find a Trump voter or, you know, dive mm. into Brooklyn and find a Hillary voter. And, you know, it's just a very simple thing to say, to try to empathize with each other. Find some sort of shared experience you have with someone who might be completely different from you and get in that person's head, and that's a, a vital part of our democracy. Uh, and he's obviously, he's always been very involved in these speeches and writes sections of them long I think that was one of the ones he added on his own.
0: Obama's predecessor, George W. Bush, had a particularly memorable commencement address in the first year of his presidency. I asked Pete Weiner, who was a member of the Bush speech writing team, about that and the history of presidential commencement speeches. I'm wondering if, you can kind of talk about um, historically times that presidents have either made some news, made some uh, new policy ideas, um, or, or something like that, that have kind of um, been profound in, uh, in commencement speeches.
3: Yeah, I think probably one of the more uh, well-known commencements speeches by the president was uh, President Kennedy's uh, address to American University. I think it was June of 1963, and it became known as his uh, peace speech. Um, and that, that was viewed uh, both within the country and internationally as a um, as a major uh, speech. And it was essentially an olive branch to the Soviet Union. Uh, it, it came, uh, you know, after some, some difficult times and, and moments that Kennedy had had with, with the Soviet Union. Two, well, three, I guess, in particular. One was the Bay of Pigs, which happened in April of, of 1961, uh, the, the effort to overthrow Castro, and that, that blew up in our face. So that was, uh, that was one. <clears throat> Second was, of course, the Cuban Missile Crisis, 13 days of, uh, in, in, uh, in October. Um, and in addition, there had been real tension points between Kennedy and Khrushchev uh, over Berlin so there had been a lot of uh a lot of stress points within that relationship and and this was an articulation of uh of of peace uh that, that kennedy put uh put forward so that was a that was a significant speech that it didn't uh, articulate a, a policy so much as it articulated a certain view of the world a mindset a kind of theory that, that uh that kennedy had so that was a that was a major one and, as mentioned earlier, President uh, Bush's uh, West Point uh, speech, I think that was in 2003, it was in the context of the war on terrorism, and it was another speech that was an effort to lay out a, a, a coherent uh, worldview uh, and to try and articulate both for allies and adversaries uh, his his approach. So once in a while, presidents do use those speeches uh, to, to uh, Try and, and articulate policy at, at a relatively usually high level kind of 15,000 foot uh, uh, altitude, but at other times presidents uh, go because because they want to unify the country. They want to try and impart wisdom to graduates uh, or to the country at large. So commencement speeches traditionally have um, have 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 different uh, different purposes. The common denominator tends to be that the presidents do want to honor the graduates and the parents and the institution uh, at, at which they speak.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. And when thinking about giving a commencement address, I mean, what what kind of, um, you know, that that platform, what about that platform allows uh, presidents to, um, you know, talk about the things that you just mentioned that 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 Kennedy spoke about that Bush spoke about? Um, What kind of platform does it offer as opposed to just a regular um, speech on that particular issue?
3: yeah I think it's it's just the nature of of, of the occasion uh, that that allows one to try and give a more uh, reflective speech. I mean I know that we in the, in the bush White House and other administrations they use those speeches um, to try and pull back from the day to day and also pull back from some of the partisan politics that that goes on and uh, to try and 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 put um, put their presidency uh, in a larger context and often a philosophical context, uh, or an ideological, uh, context, uh, and the speech itself lends itself, uh, to, to that, that kind of thing. It's, you know, those are occasions in which graduates have achieved something. They're going off into the, into the world, uh, after having spent four years or so at at an institution. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's, there's something about it that, um, that lends itself to elevated, uh, and elegant rhetoric. Uh, and it also tends to be an occasion where presidents don't use those speeches to be divisive, but, but unifying. Um, you don't want to, uh, go to, uh, to, to graduation, uh, and, uh, and give a harsh, divisive, partisan political speech. That's just not what, there. Uh, that's just not appropriate, uh, usually. I mean, there, there may be exceptional circumstances to that. But as a general matter, uh, you owe something to the graduates and their parents and the institution uh, it, uh, itself. So that mm-hmm. venue and that occasion um, really forces uh president and the speech writing team to, to think in different terms than they would if it's you know, a Wednesday afternoon speech on, on education or housing policy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Is In this day and age, is it possible to give a commencement speech, whether you're a president or a politician or someone else giving this kind of address, is it possible to keep politics out of it these days?
3: Oh, I think so. I, I, I think so. Uh, you can give a speech uh, that, that really isn't political in the narrow and partisan sense mm-hmm. at all, and indeed it can be the opposite. Hmm. You can You can use the speech. Um, as as an olive branch to the other side, uh, you can try and impart understanding. Uh, you can try and signal to people who are your political opponents um, that uh, that they have a point of view that one ought to listen to. Uh, you can you can use rhetoric that is large-minded, uh, a spirit that's capacious, uh, and so it, it, it's quite possible to to do that. And there are all sorts of Themes that one can speak on that shouldn't uh, be viewed in, in in a narrow political way, um, but uh, but in but in a much broader way, and and you know hopefully speeches like that for the most part um, are able to achieve a kind of common ground. Uh, that's why often those speeches aren't used for policy differences because. Mm-hmm. You know policy almost by definition is going to divide liberals and conservatives and Republicans and Democrats, but there are themes that go beyond that uh, and and that's usually what, what commencement speeches are, uh, are are there for so in fact it may be political but it may be political in the in the best sense, which is uh, kind of politics uh, that uh, that articulates um, a sense of justice and and that uh, finds common ground rather than drives people apart mm. Have, uh,
0: looking back at the commencement speeches that Bush gave, any that are particularly memorable to you?
3: Well, there were several. I think on a personal level, the Yale speech that he gave uh, shortly after he was in office, I think that was in 2001, uh, it was a very nice speech. He had attended Yale, uh, and uh, uh, and there were really kind of touching moments and elegant moments in that speech. That was one really written by Mike Gerson and Matt Scully and John McConnell, who was, really were the core of the writing team, and and I would say the best speechwriters that the the president had. So that was a very nice personal one. I think on policy, uh, the West Point speech, which I think was in 2002, maybe in 2003, was in the context of the war on terrorism, and it articulated a a worldview, a a philosophy in terms of his approach to international um, affairs. Uh, So that was a nice one. Uh, There was one that he gave at the University of Notre Dame. Was, was really about social justice. Uh, university of Notre Dame, of course, is a Catholic university, and it talked about the obligations that we had to the poor and, and, and the weak and those in the shadow of society. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, that was one that that touched on a the theme that had resonance with with me. I would say the West Point speech was was probably uh, the most significant of the ones that he uh, that he gave.
0: And what was President Bush's reaction to giving these kinds of commencement addresses? This is obviously someone who has kids of his own, um, someone who's given lots and lots of speeches. But uh, I'm wondering if you can recall, you know, some of the reaction that he had given uh, giving these kinds of speeches, if he enjoyed them, if he had mentioned something that was particularly memorable for him.
3: He did. Uh, they were important for him um, because I think he understood uh, the importance that those speeches have, really, to the graduates and to the parents and to the institutions from from which the the, the students are are graduating. So he took a lot of care and 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 time with those um, speeches, uh, and he tried to hit a high note. He didn't use those speeches. In any way to to make partisan points or to divide the country, really quite the opposite. Uh, so he, you know, presidents uh, invest certain amount of time in speeches depending on on how significant they were. Um, President Bush spent a lot of time on the significant speeches um, that uh, that he gave, and he viewed commencement speeches as as. Uh, as as fairly significant i mean there are, there are others as well See, the union Address, of course his joint address to congress on on September twentieth nine days after the uh the attacks in in New York and washington the nine eleven attacks uh so he was quite involved in those, but the commencement speeches he was really involved with from from beginning to end, and he wanted the graduates uh and their parents to feel honored and uh and I think that he did.
0: And, and as a speechwriter, uh, what, what's a piece of advice or uh, any words of wisdom that you would impart upon this current White House as they uh, prepare to write more commencement speeches? They've already given a couple.
3: I'd say to aim high, uh, strive for unity, not, not division, uh, and don't make the president the center of the speech. Um, make the students uh and or the country uh and the moral good uh the, the main uh the main topic that uh that uh, that you want uh to focus on and that you want people to take uh, away from. That's not an occasion to beat your chest or to try and draw the spotlight to yourself uh or to express grievances uh and uh and anger or frustration. Uh, that, that you might have. You may have them, but you ought to keep them to yourself, uh, and you certainly shouldn't um, force uh, those kinds of feelings uh, on uh, on graduates. Um, so yeah, I would say aim high, shoot for elevated rhetoric, uh, shoot for elevated thought.
0: Thanks to our guests, and thank you for joining us on Politics is Everything. Hope you'll tune in again next time.